<laughs> this week's Shia Bahar B'chukotai is dedicating loving memory of Yosef Herzog from Olive Rachab by his family on the occasion of his 40th Yorzai. I had mentioned in the past that Yosef Hirsch was a student in the yeshiva and that I spent um, a quality time with the Yosef because we used to, I used to give a shear Thursday night in the yeshiva and drive back to Yerushalayim and he would always come with me. And we discussed the future of the Jewish people that he wanted to take, uh, he had already been, he had already spent a year working for the joint in, uh, in uh, Western Europe. Um, and he wanted to do things like that in his lifetime, and it was a great loss when he, when he passed on. And so uh, I appreciate the fact that his family is, uh, is keeping the memory alive through this shir. In any event, the first pasuk in our parasha is by the Be'er Shem Moshe, Bahar Sinai Le'mor. And this was always a bit problematic because it didn't seem to the readers of the Torah that Bnei Yisrael was still Bahar Sinai. Especially since, I mean, I'm sorry I didn't put it on the sheet, but the first pasuk in Vayikra, I mean, you remember the order of things, right? Shmot, the second part of Shmot is about building the Mishkan. Assuming that they built the Mishkan and it was ready to go, most of the book of Vayikra uh, is about Mishkan-related things, Kohanim-related things, Tum'avitara-related things. All of those things sort of make a, a package. And while there, there are some exceptions, but generally speaking, that's the book of Vayikra. Now, the book of Vayikra, the first pasuk in the book of Vayikra, says Vayikra Moshe, Vayidaber love. And then the place that, the, that, uh, that Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu was Be'ohel Mo'ed. Now, Ohel Mo'ed, as far as we know, was, became part of the Mishkan. And so when the Mishkan moved around in the desert, Ohel Mo'ed also moved around, around in the desert. So Ohel Mo'ed and Har Sinai are not the same place. I mean, that's the, the point. And here at the beginning of Bahar, the beginning of uh, the Pasha Bahar, it says this is taking place, Bahar Sinai. And then the last Pasuk in the Pasha Bechokotai, Bechokotai, this year we're reading Bahar Bechokotai together, the last Pasuk in Bechokotai, which is the last Pasuk of uh, the book of Ayikra, is, if you look at the, uh, the bottom of the sheet, Again, Bahar Sinai. So the first pasuk in this week's parasha, Bahar Sinai, and the last pasuk in this week's parasha, it's two parashiyot shonot, but it's the, the last pasuk also emphasizes this idea of Bahar Sinai, which seems wrong. In other words, it was Ba'ohel Mo'ed, it wasn't Bahar Sinai. Bahar Sinai, Bnei Yisrael uh, learned very little of the Torah. Bnei Yisrael. There's Bnei Yisrael and Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Two different entities. But Bnei Yisrael, they learned uh, the Aserat Adibrot. Um, not according to Chazal, not all of the Aserat Adibrot, but just the first two. Dibrot. Then Moshe Rabbeinu taught them the rest of the Aserat Dibrot when he came down, when he came down from the mountain. So Bnei Yisrael learned very little at Har Sinai itself. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was on the mountain for forty days and forty nights, I guess learned a lot more. We'll see what Rashi thinks that he that he learned. But the idea that all of this Torah, which is starts from uh, the building of the Mishkan in Shmot through the entire book of Vayikra, that it was all in Bahar Sinai, just doesn't seem right to us. And uh, uh, just before we look at the Rashi, the second pasuk in this parasha, you see at the top of the page, Daber b'nei yisuramata lehem ki tavo la'aretz asher ni nyotein lachem, ki tavo la'aretz, 
ושבתה הארץ שבת להשם. ושבתה הארץ שבת להשם. This is the introduction to a whole slew of פסוקים about שמיטה. And of course שמיטה is only applicable in ארץ ישראל. So the, the parasha of Bahar is largely about Shemitah. And the parasha of Bechukotai, right, the next parasha, has that covenant between Hashem and Bnei Yisrael, which is applicable also on the eve of them going into Har Sinai. So in some way, in some way, the book of Vayikra, the end of the book of Vayikra, is kind of the theoretical end of the Torah. It could have ended there, at least some level of it, and then the Jews would have gone into Eretz Yisrael. But because of the Miraglim, because of what happened, right, it's true that it's a few parashiot later, right? Bamidbar, Naso, Bahalotcha, Shlach. Bamidbar, Naso, Bahalotcha, Shlach. Those are the four, first four parashiot of the book of Bamidbar. The story of the Miraglim and the rejection of Eretz Yisrael took place in the parish of Shlach. Shlach Lecha Anashim sent spies. The spies came back and they said, it's not a good deal. We shouldn't go. And that was the, the punishment. The punishment for the Miraglim. The punishment was the 38 years that they spent in the desert draining around. Right? And those thir- during those 38 years, as far as we understand, Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah to Bnei Yisrael during those 38 years. So the parsha again says, the, our parsha, Bahar, he says, Moshe, Bahar Sinai. So we have a problem with the idea of Har Sinai. Following that pasuk comes a whole parasha, a very long parasha with details about Shemitah. And the reason that the Torah gives for teaching about Shemitah is because because you're about to go to Eretz Yisrael. And because you're about to go to Eretz Yisrael, there's a covenant in the parasha of Bechukotai, which apparently, the way we understand it is, was rejected. The agreement was rejected by Bnei Yisrael. The rejection of the agreement in Bechukotai came later on in the parasha of Shlach, the parasha of the Miraglim. Because the Bechukotai says, if you go to Eretz Israel, you do what you're supposed to do, then everything will be good. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're going to get zapped. And the zapping of Bnei Yisrael is clearly stated in Bechukotai, pasuk after pasuk after pasuk. So this covenant, this agreement that God made with Bnei Yisrael in the parasha of Bechukotai, which we call it Tochacha, we call it like, Tochacha is like an interdiction, it's like a, a bad thing, because there's so many psukim which describe the bad of it, right? There are all these, all these psukim. We call it a, we call it a Tochacha. That whole agreement seems to have been rejected by Bnei Yisrael because it was conditional upon going into Eretz Yisrael. That since the Jews did not go into Eretz Yisrael, so the covenant of Bechukotai was to a certain extent rejected. And that covenant was reestablished again before Bnei Yisrael went into Eretz Yisrael. In which parasha was reestablished? The parasha of Kitavo at the end of the book of Tvarim. The end of the book, in other words, they were supposed to go to Eretz Yisrael after the book of Ayikra, but they didn't. And because of that, we have also the book of Bamidbar and Tvarim, which were, which were created through the agency of Moshe Rabbeinu. And then, since the agreement at the Bechukotai was, was, was rejected, so to speak, it was reestablished not exactly identical. I mean, that it's, that's, a, like a, that's something worth looking into, but not today. He says the, the, the covenant that was rejected at the end of the book of Ayikra was reestablished between God and Bnei Yisrael at the end of the book of Dvarim. 
And after the Book of Dvarim, after that covenant was reestablished, the Book of Dvarim, then B'nai Yisrael did in fact enter Eretz Yisrael under the leadership of Yoshua bin Nun. Okay? You got all that? I mean, it's, it's the way it is. The way it is. When I say that the covenant number one was rejected, I base that on the fact that there's covenant number two. Like, why would you need covenant number two if you had, still had covenant number one? And secondly, because the covenants that were made with B'nai Yisrael in the desert were conditional upon them entering Eretz Yisrael. And that's what Bahar is, right? The first two psukim that I quoted here, Bahar Sinai, Daber B'nai Yisrael Ki El Ha'aretz. When you come to the land, why, does, why did the Torah say Ki El Ha'aretz? Because they're about to come to Eretz Yisrael. This is actually what's supposed to happen. Shabbat, Shabbat Lashem. Shabbat means Shemitah. And then the Shemitah is described at great length. At great length. Okay? Now Rashi, this Rashi is not so, there's a certain lack of clarity in the Rashi, which I don't think I'm going to be able to deal with. But I, uh, there's enough of the Rashi that's understandable. Rashi asked the question, Ma'inyan Shemitah, Eitzel Har Sinai. That's a famous question, which is adopted in modern Hebrew. Like if you, if you say something stupid, so, so the, uh, the, more, uh, the readers of Haaretz would say, Ma'inyan Shemitah Har Sinai. The, the readers of other newspapers wouldn't say that. Ma'inyan Shemitah Eitzel Har Sinai. It's a question. What's the, what's the connection in the two Pesukim? One Pesuk says, this took place by Har Sinai. And the other Pesuk says, here are the laws of, of Shemitah. Alok kol mitzvot Sinai. Now this may be an important statement that Rashi says. Kol ha-mitzvot Sinai. In other words, the Torah itself, the Torah itself is a compilation of two elements. It's almost like in the Gemara they say there's halacha and there's agadah. Right? What's the difference between halacha and agadah? Halacha is for engineers and agadah is for poets. That's the difference. But, but they both deal with the same issues. Doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing. That's what, isn't that what halakha is about? Halakha, halakha will tell you how high the sukkah has to be, how, how close the schach has to be, the leaves have to be to each, to each other, when you're supposed to build the sukkah, when is this year's sukkah, last, not last year, there's all engineering type questions. Well, today maybe we say computer questions. But, but the Agadah in the Torah, the Agadah is, what happens, why it's better to sit in the sukkah and sukkot, what happens when you do it, tell me a story about somebody who did something that was benefited from sitting in the sukkah. But the, what stands behind these two ideas, the halacha of it and the agada of it, is how important it is to live according to the Torah principles. Right now, of course there are some deviations, yes, I know, but broadly speaking, that's what that's what Jewish literature is. It's a combination of halacha and agadah. We, we call it agadah. Agadah may not be such a good name. So this is true for us because we have Gemara. We also have the Chumash. The Chumash has halacha in it and agadah in it. For example, all these psukim about Shemitah, that's halacha. The story of Bil'am, that's Agadah. That's a story of a bad guy, about how you shouldn't be, about what you should be concerned about. I mean, those stories, that's Agadah. The same thing is true about Korach. The same thing is true about Paro. The same thing is true about all kinds of their stories. But those stories are about living the cherished life. That's what those stories are about. Now, when you say that the Torah is... Is, is from Sinai. So Rashi says, Rashi says, Beferish, he says, Alokola mitzvot, Nemru Sinai. 
Kol HaMitzvot Nehmu Mitzunai. Now we have this idea, which comes from the Medrash, that the Torah pre-existed the created world. The Torah pre-existed the created world, and God looked into the Torah and created the world. Right? Istakel ba'oraita ubara alma. That's what the that's what the Medrash says, and it's copied also, of course, in, in Kabbalistic works as as well. I mean, later Medrash is earlier. Istakel ba'oraita ubara alma. Now that Torah that God looked into and, and, and with which he created the world, was it the Torah of Halakha or the Torah of Agadah or was it both together? So it seems to me that it must have been the Torah of Halakha, that that's what Hashem, that, that for God, Torah is the right way to live. It's not ideas about the right way to live, but it's the right way to live. And so when Moshe Rabbeinu was on Har Sinai and learned Kol HaTorah Kula, supposedly, which Torah did he learn? So I find it hard, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I, that I know the answer to this question. I mean, you could say anything you want about, about what I'm saying here tonight, but don't say that I said I know the answer, because I don't know the answer. But it seems to me, it seems to me that Moshe Rabbeinu learned the whole Torah in Har Sinai. He did not learn the parasha of Bilam. He did not learn the parasha about Korach. He learned all the mitzvot that we call Torah. But history is not that way. After all, in history, we all assume somehow there's free will. And free will means that we decide somehow. So I know that even if we decide God knows, I know all that, right? And I can't answer that. I mean, I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. You can say whatever you want. But it seems to me that when Rashi says, when Rashi says, Halo kol ha-mitzvot that he means the mitzvot and not the other part of the Torah. The stories of Breshit, the stories of Breshit, Rashi says in the Chumash, were known to B'nai Yisrael before Matan Torah. It was what the form of this knowledge was is not made clear by Rashi. But Rashi just says that all of B'nai Yisrael knew about Avraham and about Yitzchak and Yaakov and what happened to them, where they went, and where they, you know, it could have been like an oral, oral history, like, uh, you know, like stories that, that we all knew that we passed on from in our families, right? But... Where did Rashi say that? In, uh, in uh, Shmos Perikutes. Uh, no, in Mishpatim, I'm sorry. At the end of Mishpatim, Rashi said. Right. So, now here, So it seems that there was some kind of a question. When you say that Moshe Rabbeinu knew, learned all the mitzvot of the Torah, did he learn the, that there was such a mitzvah? but not learn all of the details. For example, the, uh, the mitzvah of Shabbat, which everybody knows is a very um, intricate mitzvah. It's got a lot of details, to say the least. If you ever looked at a, at a summarizing book like Shmirat Shabbat Gilchita, you'd see endless details, and literally endless details. So when you say that Moshe Rabbein, but in the Torah Shabbat, Shabbat hardly mentioned, I mean, it's mentioned many times, but there are very few details about Shabbat in the Torah. The only thing it says is, that you shouldn't light a fire on Shabbat. But it doesn't say that you can't tie a knot, or that you can't write with a pencil, or that you can or cannot play with little Lego uh, uh, pieces. Right, all of that's missing from the Chumash. So you have two kinds of, of, of mitzvot. Most of the mitzvot ha, are stated in a more general way, and the details are left out. Shemitah is an exception, because it's stated in a general way in the parashah Mishpatim here, 
Uh, where is it? Yeah, you see under Shmot Perikav Gimel Pasuk Yud Aleph. You see where it says that? It says Hashviit Tishbetenu V'Natashta Lachlu Av Yonei Amer Amcha. The poor people will eat V'Yitram Tochal Chayata Sadeh Keita Sel Lekar Mechal Zaydechal. On the seventh year, you have to let everything alone. You have to let it be. In fact, everything becomes hefker. The poor people can come and take whatever they want. You can take uh, a couple of meals worth of food at a time. We can't take the, all the stuff away and prevent the poor people from getting at it. This is the pasuk of Shemitah that's mentioned in the parasha of Mishpatim. And the parasha of Mishpatim is the, is the material that Moshe Rabbeinu taught to Bnei Yisrael. He learned that. When he was on Har Sinai, he taught the Bnei Yisrael in order that they should be able to have some Torah in their minds when, when they come to accept the Torah. It was they didn't know all of the Torah, but they had learned the parasha of Mishpatim. So in the parasha of Mishpatim, there's one pasuk that says Shemitah. And that one pasuk is a cloud. It's the general statement about it. And where are the Pratim? Here, in the parasha of Bahar. So Rashi says, Rashi says, quoting the Medrash, he says, How do you know that they're Misinai? Because it says Bahar Sinai, right here. I mean, that's the point. The point is that these details about Shemitah, which appear at the end of the book of Ayikra, are just as Har Sinai oriented as the pasuk in Mishpatim about Shemitah. And that, in turn, is true about everything. So that at Har Sinai, or someplace, Moshe Rabbeinu learned about Shabbat, but he also learned the details. He also learned all of the details. Rashi. Kulam refers to all the mitzvot. is the Medrash Halacha of the book of Ayikra. Right? Medrash Halacha. It's a, it's a, a commentary, possibly by possibly very similar. The content is often very similar to the Mishnah, but the Mishnah generally doesn't quote Psukim. It just tells you the halachic facts. Whereas the Medrash is built on the Psukim. It says, here's the Pasuk and here's what it teaches us. And the order in the Midrash is the order of the Psukim, not as it is in the, in the uh, Mishnah, which is compiled by topic. Right? So you have a Mishnah, all the Mishnayot about Shabbat. Right? Not, they're not all about Shabbat, but 90% of them are about Shabbat. Apparently, in putting all these... Oh, that's a different, different thing. Kachshu Yabitarat Kohanim. Vinirali. Shekein perusha. This is what I think the 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 Torah Kohanim means. The fish alone at sinu shmitat karkaot shenishneit baravot moav b'mishnet Torah. So you know, aravot moav is where Bnei Yisrael were on the eve of entering into Eretz Yisrael. That's where Moshe Rabbeinu made his final speeches in the Book of Dvarim. That's where. Uh, B'nei Yisrael, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu died, but all of that is our vote Moab, right? If you, if you, in your mind's eye, you see the Jordan River, and you see Jericho. If you go east across the Jordan River, right into Jordan, what is today Jordan? That's our vote Moab. That's where our vote Moab is. So they were standing ready to go into Eretz Israel, and you know that the Book of Dvarim to some extent, is repetitive. It has some things in it that we know already. It's Moshe Rabbeinu teaching the Torah over again. He says, We didn't, there is no mention of Shemitah in Aravot Moav when Moshe Rabbeinu kind of reviews certain things in the, in the Torah. Lamadnu, so there was some kind of a question. If there's new material 
there's new material in Arvot Moav, at the end of Dvarim, there's something so, uh, like, uh, like uh, uh, the laws of divorce in Parashat Kitetzi. Parashat Kitetzi is full of mitzvot, right? The end of Dvarim. So that mitzvot we, we haven't learned before. We only know them from the parasha of Kitetzi. So maybe that means that they were not from Sinai. Whatever's in, in uh, there. So, so the Medrash says, according to Rashi, that so why is it that at the end of Tvarim there's no mention of Shemitah? The reason there's no mention of Shemitah is because uh, we shouldn't be confused to think that Shemitah came from, came from Moshe Rabbeinu at a later date, but it all comes from, it all comes from Har Sinai. So we're left with the question of what this means. <laughs> what, do you mean? what do you mean it's all from Sinai? From Har Sinai? It can't all be from our Sinai. As far as Moshe Rabbeinu is concerned, I offer the idea that maybe Moshe Rabbeinu learned the mitzvot, but he didn't learn the histories. He didn't learn about Bilam. He didn't learn about Korach. That doesn't seem to be seem to be uh, be reasonable. And then, uh, I, I mean, we know also that Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah to Bnei Yisrael during the thirty-eight years sojourn in the desert that HaKadosh Baruch would call him into the Oral Moed and teach him another parasha in the Torah. Then he would go out and he would gather everybody together and they would learn the, to- the Torah that he had just learned. He would learn again. He would learn with the people. Right? That's what the Gemara says. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, that there was Moshe and Aaron and Yoshua and the Skenim and Moshe taught the Torah and then he left and then Aaron taught the Torah twice and Skadim taught the Torah three times and that's how, that's how the Torah got to B'nai Yisrael now it is possible that Moshe learned a super Torah on Har Sinai which contained the mitzvot like the will of God mitzvot are the will of God as opposed to Bilam which is the anti-will of God right? why would that be in the Torah? so that's what, that's what he says now look at the uh, Let's look at the at the Podem Yafot. Podem Yafot is a a perush, right? It's a perush on on the Torah, it's on the Medrash, you know, on Kabbalah. It's like all good things. Both Rashi and the Ramban, who we didn't quote. They both agree that Shemitah is a kind of prototype. Just like Shemitah, so too all the mitzvot. What is Shemitah like? What is Shemitah? Shemitah is klaloteho pratateha amisinai. So just like Shemitah, so too all the mitzvot of the Torah. Ach, mashikatav Torah, ze gabei Shemitah v'yovel, the Lobisha mitzvot, right? But it would seem that the Torah specifically mentioned this principle in the context of Shemitah, but not any other any other mitzvah mitzvah. Near eight, Lefima de So he says he says, How come? You know, it's like it's a question. How come Shemitah was chosen to become the model for all the mitzvot in the Torah? What's the What's so important about Shemitah? Like, we learned the parasha, we said, look, Shemitah is a basic mitzvah of Eretz Yisrael. And here they are about to go to Eretz Yisrael, here at the end of Ayikra. They didn't go, but in theory, they're about to go to Eretz Yisrael. He says, This is like people who are very smart can do this. They can, they can say, this problem is solved by looking at this other place in the Talmud, someplace. someplace. That's what he was able to do. So he says, So Perakama the Kedush, in the end of the first Perak, Tanya, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Gadol Limud, Gadol Limud. Rabbi Yossi said, Limud Torah is even greater than Maaseh. It's, it's greater to learn the Torah than to do the Torah. That, that's what he said. Now that's a odd, it would seem to us to be odd, right? Why should it be greater to learn the Torah and not do it? That seems, uh, that seems um, heretical almost. If you learn the Torah, the Torah says you should do something, so you should do it. 
Why, why would he say, why would he say, Gadol Limud, Shekodem Lekodem Lechala Abaim Shana? Before they had to actually give Chala, you know the mitzvah of Chala, you have an Isa, you have a dough that's this big, some big, two kilo or something, you have to, you have to give some of it, take off some of it as a, as a matana. As a, and, and so uh, it, but usually at homes this doesn't come up that often because two kilo I'm sorry, no, I said two pounds two kilo of, of, of dough is a lot but in bakeries they have that problem not a problem but they have uh, you know, there are always these proverbial ancient ladies who come in and do that, that mitzvah you can go to angel in the very early in the morning and you'll find her there so Rabbi Yossi Omegadoli Mutorah Shekodem before they ever had to do the mitzvah of Chala 40 years passed where the 40 years? the 40 years in the desert it was their learning Torah they're learning Torah in the desert so they're learning about Chala but they're eating man so man is miracle food now you don't take challah for man. I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing that you can describe. It doesn't have a doesn't have a name. The man, and it tastes like anything you're interested in. It tasting like, which apparently is advantageous. But you don't take challah from the man. So, but you learn the Torah of challah, Arbaim Shana before you had to actually do it because you didn't have to do it until you came to Eretz Israel and and grew and got wheat someplace. The Trumoto Mas wrote, Chamishim Arba. Chamishim Arba, what's the added 14 years? Kibush Vinachalad. They had to conquer Eretz Israel and divide it up. You had to get property and then grow something in your property in Eretz Israel to be Chayav Trumoto Mas wrote. Lishmita Samach Aleph. You had to wait another seven years after the Kibush Vinachalad. And, and until you did uh, did uh, Shemitah and Liovlot Liovlot Me'al Shalosh it's another 50 years you know afterwards so okay so here's Rabbi Yossi he says, he says we're all learning all this Torah but we're not doing it we're not doing it because we can't do it it's not like when you get driven we got driven out of Eretz Yisrael so we couldn't do the mitzvahs in Chutzlaretz he says, that's different because that's a punishment. That's something that we, we brought upon ourselves. But here, the, the Ponim Yafo says, look at this. This is, this is the way it was. How did the Torah come to B'nai Yisrael? As a theory. It was a theory of all the people who died in the desert. All the people, they deserved to die, so they died in the desert, but they learned Torah before they died. So for them, for them, there was never a, a uh, lema'aseh it never happened that they did the mitzvot they, they, they never did the mitzvot they just learned the Torah about those mitzvot it wasn't until many years later that the opportunity to actually do the mitzvah came up so this is all about mitzvot atliot ba'aretz right so he says there's a machlokit Rabbi Akiva and 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 Rabbi Ishmael. The Sfirale, klalot ne emru b'sinai upratot ba'ol mo'ed. That that according to Rabbi Akiva, the general things were told in Sinai. And pratot ba'ol mo'ed, which is what we were saying all the time. V'hainu ma'sheneemar parashat ha'mo'adim. He says, for example, think about the parashiot in the Torah that describe the korbanot that you bring on holidays. B'seder zeh b'lashon klal. V'ikraftem yishev l'ashem. You see that first off, the Torah says something like v'ikraftem. You all should bring a sacrifice to God. But it doesn't tell you what those sacrifices are. So that's a cloud. That's a cloud. You have to bring sacrifices. Then in Parshat Pinchas, Mifarash Korbanot Shel Kol Chag Vachag Vipratut. 
And, and later on in the parish of Pinchas, it gives you details about what, what you bring, is, what animals you bring, and the Korban Mincha that you bring, and the Ketoret that you bring. All of that is in the parish of, 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 uh, of uh, Pinchas. V'savar Rabbi Yishmael, Shelo nemrua pratim, Ela bizman sheigia lasot ha-maaseh. was a great idea. So Rabbi Yishmael says, what's a klal and what's a prat? A klal is when you can't do the mitzvah yet. Because it's just, it just not possible. It's not possible you do the mitzvah. So you can't do the mitzvah of chalo in the desert. You can't do that mitzvah because in the desert they ate man. And man has nothing to do with the mitzvah of chalo. So when you, what you do is, in the desert, you can't do the mitzvah of chalo, but you could learn about it. So what is, what is learning about a mitzvah that you're not going to do called? It's called clout. You learn it in general. You learn it in a, in a general way. But when the time comes, when the time comes to actually do it, then uh, it says, uh, then you need the pratim. Then you need the pratim. So in the parashat, Pinchas comes after the parashat Emor, right? The parashat Emor talks about the korbanot that you bring on the Moadim in general. And the parashat Pinchas gives you greater detail. So that's Klal and that's Prat. The Kaimalan Karabi Akiva. But we hold like Rabbi Akiva, the Amar the Emar, Bissinai, Kola Pratim, Elishinish Nait, Beoel Moed, Bishaashe Gies Man Rabbi Akiva disagrees with Rabbi Ishmael. Again, Rabbi Ishmael is what was said. First the Klalim are given, and then later on when it becomes real, real time, then there's the Pratim. Uh, Rabbi Akiva says no. Rabbi Akiva says the Klalim and the Pratim were taught to B'nai Yisrael in, in uh, the Klalim and the Pratim were taught to B'nai Yisrael in Har Sinai. But when the time came to actually do the mitzvot, do these mitzvot, then it was, uh, it was, add, it was an add-on, you know, another explanation of the mitzvah and the pratim of that mitzvah. Everybody, even though God knew for sure that it would take another 60 years or 100 years until they do the mitzvot of, of Shemitah and Yovel. Mikol makom amar kol ha-pratim miyad b'sinai. This is amazing. These Tanaim, these Tanaim, they have a machloket, according to the interpretation of the Ifeinaim. He says, he says, they have a machloket about what the Torah that was given at Sinai was and what the words klal uprat mean. They don't just mean the general and the specific, but they mean that you learned as much, according to Rabbi Ishmael, that you learned as much Torah as you could absorb, as, well, as much Torah as you could learn. But when it came to the details of doing it, well, you couldn't do it, so you didn't learn that Torah. You didn't learn that Torah until you were able to actually, actually do it. Uh, so from this we learn about all the mitzvot according to Rabbi Akiva according to Rabbi Akiva again what did they learn at Sinai? Klal and Prat even though the time to actually do the mitzvah had not yet come. But they learned how to do the mitzvah. So he's going to explain why this is important, why you have to learn about the pratim of the mitzvah. So he says, lishmi. <laughs> Elu Talmidei Chachamim. So we'll see that in a minute. Muktar Umugash Lishmi. Muktar, Toret, Mugash, brought forth to the name of God. And what is the reference? We'll, we'll see we'll see it in a second. 
So he says what we all say, we all know, right? Every morning we get up in the morning and we say Birkata Torah. Yes? You may have noticed that this is an obligation equally relevant to men and to women. Because women have to learn Torah. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And so everybody makes the bracha Birkata Torah. Now when you make the bracha Birkata Torah, you don't have to learn Torah. You have all day. Yeah, it's like a bracha that goes for the whole day. But because we're like a little nervous about things, so we say, okay, but we're going to learn something. We'll learn something right away. Right? So what do we learn? We learn the parsha of the Korban Tamid. We learn the parshiot or several parshiot that are connected to giving the daily sacrifice. Right? The Tamid we give in the morning and the afternoon. That's what's in, in every sitter. Every sitter, I know that sometimes you come a few minutes late to shul or you think yourself into a state of being a few minutes late and you skip that part. But even if you skip it, it's there anyway. I mean, there's no doubt that it's there. There, You know, you're not going to rip it out, are you? You just, it's there. So why is it there? Why do we say that? Because the Gemara says, the Gemara says that even though uh, the Gemara says it in several places. He quotes the Gemara Menachot at the end of Menachot. The Gemara says that if you can't bring the korban, you can't bring the korbanot that you have to bring. There's no Beit Hamikdash, but you could learn the Torah of the korbanot. You could learn the Torah of the korbanot, and this is what Avram Avinu said to Hakadosh Baruch Remember Avram Avinu? He said, "Bama eda ki irashena." When God said to Avram Rabinu, you could have a lot of progeny, Avram Rabinu didn't say a thing. He said, okay, no problem. I mean, I believe it. But when God said to Avram Rabinu, you're going to get Eretz Yisrael, he said, And the Gemara in Ta'anik explains, the Gemara explains, and the Gemara is quoted by Rashi, on that pasuk. I don't remember the, the number of the pasuk, but you could find it. Berit Tezbo. The God says to Moshe, you're going to inherit the land. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, what if my children are not worthy? What if they, so you're going to kick them out of, out of Eretz Yisrael, right? That, that's going to be the first punishment that, uh, that B'nai Israel get. They'll be kicked out. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, so it, it's, a, it's a longer story. What if they're not worried with the Beit HaMikdash and then it's destroyed and then they're kicked out. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, but if they learn the parsha, the parshiot of the Korbanot, if they study those parshiot, then they will still be connected and they'll still be worthy of Eretz Yisrael even if they get kicked out. So that's what we do. That's what we do. We learn the parshiot we learned the parashiyot of the korbanot, which we cannot give for two reasons. One, because we learned Torah, right? We said the birkat Torah, so we'll, we'll learn a little. We'll learn a little Torah. You know that that uh, that we learn. It's a mishnah. Ezer mekol manchel zvachim is a is a mishnah. Now we say in psuke de zimra, but you have to understand psuke de zimra, right? Which happens after tefillah sashachar. Right? Psuke de zimra, we say tefillah. Right, tell him and what tell him and what tell him and what tell him doesn't count. Tilim is not you don't get credit for Talmud Torah when you when you read Tilim. Tilim is not a mind bender. It's like, you know, it's all good. It doesn't matter what you what you say when you say Tilim. It's all it's all the best of the best. But it's not Talmud Torah. The Nefesh Chaim points this out in the beginning. In the beginning of the Nefesh Chaim. No, in the beginning of the fourth section of the Nefesh Chaim. The Nefesh Chaim points this out. And, uh, and so you have to learn, you have to learn Mishnah, or you have to learn Gemara, to learn Talmud Torah. Right? So as so I say, the women are included. So he says, he says, what difference does it make if they could do the mitzvah, they can't do the mitzvah yet? They could learn the Torah of the mitzvah. And by learning the Torah of the mitzvah, they're accredited with doing the mitzvah. Because how can you compare knowing the mitzvah to doing the mitzvah? The, the, the Nebuchadnezzar Chaim carried it even further. The Nebuchadnezzar Chaim said, 
if you learn Torah, it doesn't matter what Torah you learn, it doesn't matter what Dat Gemara you're up to, you'll do the mitzvah of Lula better. I mean, if, even if you, you're learning Torah about eating a piece of matzah, you'll do the mitzvah of Lula better. Because Torah changes your perspective on things. It doesn't matter what it is. It's true if I learn, if I have to do the mitzvah of lulav, and I learn more about lulav, that's certainly a good thing. He didn't mean, he didn't mean that that wasn't. He meant that, that learning Torah changes the way you are. And when it changes the way you are, so you do the other, any mitzvah that you're going to do, you're going to do better. That was the, that was the position of the, of the Nebuchadnezzar. So he says, uh, okay, so now just we'll stop here for a minute. So you understand he said something about Klal or Prat. Klal is the mitzvah in general and Prat is the mitzvah in detail. There's a machloket between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael about whether you should, uh, uh, what came at Sinai. According to Rabbi Akiva, everything came at Sinai and then when they needed to do the mitzvah pra- practically, it was repeated in the Torah. It was repeated, that's called Pratatea, but where does it all come from? Har Sinai. It was all from Har Sinai. Now there is this Pasuk, this is a Pasuk in uh, Malachi. You see the Pasuk that's quoted by the Yifei Nayim, you see it over here? You see Malachi Perak Aleph Pasuk Yud Aleph? Yes? No? Kimim Mizrach Shemesh, right where the sun rises, Ad until it sets. Gadol Shmi Bagoyim, my name is great amongst the nations. Every place, uh, there's an there's a, a, a incense sacrifice. Mugash Lishmi, for my name. And a meal offering, a pure meal offering. Gadol Shmi Bagoyim. So my name is great amongst the Goyim because even amongst the Goyim there are these sacrifices that are, that are given. Now Rashi. This is the Rashi to Malachi. Right, the Rashi to Malachi. Malachi. One of the Treyasar. Treyasar is 12 little books which used to be bound together because it was a, a good way not to lose them. Treyasar. Amru Rabotenu, the Karole Allah de Allahaya. He is called the God of Gods. Afil Mishieshlo Akum, even a non Jew, Yodea, Shiesh Eloka, Shehu Al Kulam. He knows even, even Goyim believe that there is one God, one supreme, one supreme God. Uvichomakom mitnadvim lishmi. And they nevertheless, they give, uh, uh, they, they offer sacrifices to my name. Afa Akum, even the non-Jews. Rabotenu Pirishu. And there's another interpretation of this Pasuk. Right? What Rashi just said was sort of like the simple interpretation. That since the Goyim understand that they may worship many gods, but they know there is one God that is the superior God, the God of gods. And they serve him as well. Rabotenu um, Pershu, there's another comment. These are our scholars, Talmidei Chachamim, who deal with Oskim Bilchot Avodah, the laws of the service in the temple, the Kolmakom, wherever they happen to be, and all the davening that Jews daven in any place where they are. This is Rashi, right? All those tefillot are to me, to God, like a pure meal offering. That the Aramaic translation in the Vim, Vichol Idan Datun Avadim Reuti Ani Mikabel Slutechem. Wherever you daven, right, you ask, you ask for me from something from me, I accept your prayers. Ushmi Rabbamit Kadesh Al Yedechon, and my name 
is sanctified greatly through your efforts, and your prayers, like a sacrifice, the Kikadami, before me. And this is how the Pasuk is explained. Why do you deny my name? Even the Goyim understand that I am, that I am great. That tefillah, even in, in the Golah, even though it was originally, tefillah might have been connected to the Avodah, the Beit HaMikdash. I mean, after all, that's what the, the Rabbi says, that the word Avodah either means, you know, Avodah tefillah or Avodah Beit HaMikdash. So, so uh, you would think there was some kind of connection, but here the pshat and the pasuk is that God accepts the tefillah even though it, the avodah is missing. You don't have the Beit HaMikdash, but it's Bechol Makom Shehu. This is like also a, a programmatic Rashi. And the, the Panim Yafot mentions this pasuk, this pasuk in, in Malachi, he doesn't mention the Rashi, but it's hard to imagine that he didn't know the Rashi. I mean, he certainly knew the, this Rashi. So this idea of klalim upratitim, which is, both Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael agree that there was a period of time when they studied the klalim. There's a machloket, a different opinion between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael about when the pratim were, were taught to the Israel. According to Rabbi Akiva, everything was at Har Sinai. According to Rabbi Ishmael, the klalim came at Har Sinai. And the pratim came when you needed them, when they had to be, had to be taught to you, when you come to Eretz Israel, then the pratim came. But both, uh, uh, both Rabbi Akiva and uh, Rabbi Ishmael agree, apparently, that in learning, there was a lag, right? They learned the klalim until they needed to learn the, to learn the pratim. And from that, from that, according to the Panim Yafot, there is this independent idea there's this independent idea that there's a rationale to learning Torah when you can't keep the Torah. And that was rejuvenated after the Churban Beit HaMikdash. It was, the, it was just like before the building of the Beit HaMikdash, they learned the Klalim of Beit HaMikdash, but didn't have to learn the Pratim until they saw the Beit HaMikdash actually going up. But after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, this was a, a, adopted, this idea was adopted by, uh, by us, by B'nai Israel, and validated the idea of tefillah. Like you say, how could you daven when you can't do what the Torah tells you to do? Right? How can you daven if God says give a korban tamid and you don't give a korban tamid? So it's sort of like a little chutzpah to go to, to, to daven. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't, really make, doesn't really make any sense. Except that you have this, according to what we've learned, you have this idea that exists in the world that there is the Torah of the Klal and the Torah of the Prat. And even though we can't do the Prat, we can go back to the Klal and, and, uh, and learn the Torah of the Klal and that seems to be good enough. That does it. And that's what Rashi said, that since you do that, since you, B'nai Israel do that, God is open to accepting the tefillot of, of uh, B'nai Yisrael. Okay, I mean, there's, I, I, if you, there's a nice Ramban. The Ramban you know, says you shouldn't forget Har Sinai. You know, the Rambam has this idea, there are mitzvot of Zachor. It's at the other end of the Siddur. <laughs> like we talked about Tfilos Hashachar, right? The, that part of the Siddur. If you look at the end of the Siddur, where it says, Ani Mamin, after Shachras. Right, you know, it says animamin. You know, they have all that stuff at the end that nobody says. I believe. I mean, maybe somebody says it, but no, not too common. Right. So in there, there are also the six zachors that you have to remember. Things that you have to remember. So one of the things you have to remember, which the Ramban thinks is important, and the, the way you remember is by saying it every day. Even though. Generally speaking, halachic memory is a year. In, in, in other words, the lotishchach of Amolek 
Zachoris Asher Asalcha Amolek Lotishkach. Amolek is once a year. Right? There's a special event once a year called Parshat Zohar. I think everybody, everybody knows that, right? And Parshat Zohar takes place once a year because that's the rule of forgetting. If you don't remember something for a year, you forgot it. So, nevertheless, nevertheless the Rabban thinks you should remember Har Sinai every day. And that's how it all got into the Siddur. Because there's a, there's a remembering um, modus uh, for certain, certain mitzvot. You have a zohar about, about what happened to Miriam and a zohar. You have like, like six zohars, which are different, a different topic. So he says that the Har Sinai, the fact that the Torah comes from Har Sinai, somehow, we don't know still what exactly came from Har Sinai, what came after Har Sinai, but since the Torah is attributed to Har Sinai, and that in the Gilgul of things, it was called in the Mishnah in, in Sanhedrin, that's Torah min HaShamayim, which is hard to define. The, 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 uh, the Mishnah just says that if you're a denier of Torah min HaShamayim, then uh, then you, you'll be punished for denying Torah min HaShamayim, but it doesn't make clear exactly what Torah min means, like which Torah, how much Torah, what is it that Moshe Rabbeinu did actually receive. All of that remains a little bit, um, a little bit unclear. Okay. Have a wonderful uh, whatever is coming up. Oh, next week I was asked to give uh, something to speak about Yom Yerushalayim. It's it's Moshe Yom Yerushalayim, right? Right. But it's not like other mozzarella's where you have to eat. <laughs> you don't have to eat. So, so we're going to have the shear anyway. I mean, in spite of the fact that it could be a joyous moment, it was. I mean, actually, you know, Yom Rishalim lost out. Would have been good. It would have been a good thing if the rabbanim would have had a little cuts, but they didn't. Cuts to what? What? Cuts for what? To keep her yeah, to make it into a thing. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah. Outside of Yerushalayim. Zero. In Yerushalayim also it's zero. Oh. It's zero. They bring, they bring kids from these B'nai Akiva high schools the by bus. They bring them, well, it's a day off, and they spend the money. Somebody, the government, somebody in the government gives them money for the buses, and they, they hang around and eat, eat uh, falafel in the old city. You know, which is not exactly a spiritual moment. What should the rabbinate have done? What? What, what should the rabbinate have done? Should have cried. Enjoy, I mean. They should have. You know, during the Six-Day War, this is where the tanks came through the Shah Mandelbaum. And I had the privilege of being there. Miriam, you were also there, right? The, you know, there used to be something called the Mandelbaum Gate which was the border between our side of Jerusalem and the Jordanian side of Jerusalem. So if you had certain passports, certain kinds of passports, you could go from Israel to Jordan, to just walk through the Mandelbaum Gate. So if you were a, if you were a Galach, a, a Catholic priest, you had a, a some, even if you were American, you had some kind of also Galach passport. So, so you know, everything was very primitive in those days, before 1967. It was very primitive. So I had a friend who was a Galach. And he used to go to the store, he used to go to the Medwan Gate and go to the grocery store and buy American beer and then come back. <laughs> we sit around, you know. So that was like, you know, in Israel there was no beer. You couldn't get, you couldn't get anything alcoholic in Israel. Because the Rabbanut, in 1900 or something, they said, well, you know, it's chametz. So they ushered making, uh, making alcoholic beverages in, in Israel. You could only get brandy. The only thing alcoholic was something that was not chametz. For some reason, and not drinkable either. <laughs> well, you know, it, it didn't take the place of scotch. That's for sure. 
So then, then um, they discovered importing. <laughs> I guess a new, a new thing after the Six Day War. And so anybody could cross the Mandalore Gate after the Six Day War. The point I'm making is that when the, when the um, tanks came down from the north, they came down from Shechem into Yerushalayim, they couldn't fit into the old city, so they came to the Mandalore Gate. So we were there at the Mandalore Gate. You had to see these ladies, these Meisharim ladies, running with pots of soup to feed the guys in the tanks. I mean, you know, like, like you can see they had never done this before. They didn't know exactly, you know, you would think uh, they bring sandwiches. No, pots with soup in it, you know, imagine <laughs> spilling it all over the tanks. They were really happy. They were happy, so they said, they're up, look, they didn't have to do anything. They just had to say, we're happy, instead of saying, we're unhappy, right. which is what they did. They said, we're unhappy, we don't know, we don't know what it should be, and we don't know how we're going to deal with it. The so that was the end. That was the end. They, they nipped it in the bud. It was gone. Gone before it even arrived. But it was, uh, it was amazing. Even skeptical people like me were amazed. I mean, it was like, uh, what do they call that? It was a, a special moment. It was something you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't avoid it. Couldn't avoid it. It was just wonderful. Just wonderful. And then, you know, the people started shy, but should you say, Halel or Bracha? I'd say Halel or Bracha, you know, like, like you couldn't overcome. You just couldn't overcome and, uh, and be happy. I had, to, I had to make trouble. But that's the way we are. But this was such a big deal that you, would th that you might have thought that we would be able to overcome. But we, uh, we didn't. So, uh, so today, the result is that Yom Yerushalayim doesn't exist. The reason that Yom Yerushalayim doesn't exist is because it's very close to Yom Atzvot. Of course, for those people, Yom Atzvot also doesn't exist. But they could say that the reason Yom Yerushalayim doesn't exist because of Yom Atzmaut. And Yom Atzmaut truly, because it, uh, it was uh, controlled by the secular world, I, I don't, it's not a ta'ana, you know, a person is a person, you want to have, but I mean, they really made a mess of it. I mean, I admit that the Haredim and the Datiyim didn't know what to do with themselves. But the secular guys, they really messed up. There's no like depth to anything. Nothing was noteworthy, except for the Bible context. And and, and Ben Gurion was always angry that they kept that the winners were always religious. Until this year. Huh? Until this year. This year, the guy they, he went to a non-religious school, but he was wearing a yarmulke. Well, why was he wearing a yarmulke? Must be a little bit religious, yeah. though. I don't know. Anyway, but Ben-Gurion, Amos Chacham, who won the first Bible contest, uh, was the winner of the first Bible contest. He showed up without shoes. <laughs> no, he didn't own a pair of shoes. You know, he was... Uh, and, uh, and he'd come a long way. He went to university. He got a... I don't know if he got a doctorate, but he... Uh, and he wrote the... Uh, the Moser of Cook, he wrote the commentary on Tillich. <laughs> which is very, really a classic. It's something wonderful. You know, three volumes on Tiller. And he wrote other things as well for them. But I think he showed up without shoes. He didn't, you know, and that was also embarrassing to Ben-Gurion, you know, because he was in charge. I'm going to be there, one of his, one of his men, you know, doesn't have shoes. But he won the Bible, he was like, it was no contest, but now they have it worked out that they, there's a little bit of competition. You'd have pre-tests and further pre-tests, and, and, and they more or less get people on the same level. And they wipe out the score partway through, so everybody started to do it. Well, you know, but it doesn't, it's not something that people are interested in. They're not, you know. So they, somehow I think that if you're thinking about unity, or like not real unity, real unity is, is ridiculous. Disparity is better than unity. But, but if you're thinking about a moment, like you say, let's do something together, let's go, go have a picnic together, they, they can work it out.
He just couldn't couldn't work it out. In the in the in the original Yom Ha'atzmaut Machzor, which was put out by Kibbutz Adati, I don't know who did it. It said something like it said the mitzvah hayom, but seit lechekatevah. How can you say a thing like that? But they, so that you know, so that died away. I mean, no, nobody nobody looks at that anymore unless they happen to have it. So Corin put out a new machzor on uh, Yom Atzmaut. It is okay, you know. Benny Lau wrote something. There's an introduction. Somebody else wrote. I don't remember who. Maybe Steinsatz. I don't, I don't remember who, who it was. It's okay. You know. I go to the great synagogue in Yamatsu because uh, the best show in town. If you've never been to the great synagogue, you should try. Try it. And it's free. And you don't have to dab. Nobody dabbles. <laughs> you can come to Yeshiva Takota, Yom Yerushalayim, 7 o'clock in the morning, Tfilat Shacharit, with the accompaniment of the Ramatayim Men's Choir. Say what, what? Tfilat Shacharit, with the accompaniment of the Ramatayim Men's Choir. Okay. I mean, Yom Yerushalayim? Yeah. It's after I'm the fourth, I, I do not Wednesday, Yom Wednesday morning, 7 o'clock. Despite that trauma. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone? No, the great city guy only no, works at no night. No relationship one way or the other. We would have had it in the Okay, are we fin- it's not going on, is it? Oh, that is? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Did I say anything <laughs> bad? No. I remember a shiur that you gave him years ago about, you know, so you said that Yom Atzmaut, about the Halal issue. Yom Atzmaut, in fact, it's it start a war. But Yom Atzmaut, there's no excuse for not saying that. Look, you know, Chaim Shul Levitz, was, uh, felt that he was personally, personally saved in, you know, in, the, in the war because uh, uh, a mortar fell on Mir and blew up the roof, and he was sitting there. So he used to make a Sudat Hodaya for himself and his family on Yom Yerushalayim. But the, uh, but the uh, madness got a hold of him. You know, like they, they drove him crazy. How could you do it? No, Yom Yerushalayim.